0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
1: So the set of activity that we're looking at here is from mid to late 2021, and it was a set of attacks against various organizations, but they all seem to be focused on the telecommunications sector.
0: That's Sylvester Segura. He's a threat research analyst with Symantec's Threat Hunter team. The research we're discussing today is titled, Espionage Campaign Targets Telecoms Organizations Across Middle East and Asia.
1: Organizations were uh, in the Middle East and also in Asia and Southeast Asia.
0: Well, let's walk through the uh, structure of the attack here. How did they go about
1: doing it? So most of these attacks started with discovery commands. Uh, That's sort of where where we discovered the activity. But in at least one case, we saw what looked like the initial infection vector. So stepping back a bit. So the initial set of suspicious activity was a screen connect. So this is a legitimate tool, screen connect installer. is a remote control tool that had been zipped into an archive. And then it was likely emailed to the target victims. Um, this is consistent with some public reporting, uh, of very similar activity. After that, what we tend typically would see was a set of discovery commands, just gathering basic information, looking for other devices on the network, trying to find a path to privilege escalation, and all of that looked like it was being carried out by some unknown script. The attacks proceeded to, into credential theft with just various different methods, hacking tools and some legitimate tools were used to steal credentials. They also deployed a keylogger. They use a number of legitimate tools pretty heavily things like certutil, PowerShell, to download additional hacking tools, proxy tools, tunneling tools, and additional scripts that they would run. We think that based on uh, the types of tools that they were downloading, we think their primary objective is just stealing information. Uh, What type of information, we're not really sure at this point. Hmm, interesting.
0: and and so at at what point were the organizations who were targeted, how did they uh, detect that something was going on? What triggered that detection?
1: Well, there are a number of things that would cue an organization that something fishy is going on. One would be definitely be the existence of these tunneling tools and proxy tools, especially if they're not expected on these particular machines. Keyloggers being detected would and hacking tools being detected for credential theft would definitely be uh, red flags.
0: Right. So, who do we suppose is behind this? Any indications there?
1: So, there are a number of aspects of the attacks that lead us to think that this may be an actor publicly reported as Muddy Water. That's an actor that we call Seedworm.
0: And they're from where?
1: Seedworm is believed to be an Iran-based organization.
0: Now, there's another uh, incident that you all are tracking here, a bit of an outlier from a company in Laos.
1: Yeah, that one was a bit curious because it didn't seem to line up with the telecommunications targeting uh, that we saw with the other attacks. But when we drilled down into it and, and looked through the data, we found the evidence that these attackers were trying to connect to other organizations that were related to the telecommunications sector from this organization. So it looks like something of a supply chain attack where they use one organization and the access that that has to the other to pivot and jump to their actual intended target. I see.
0: Now, based on the uh, the tactics, techniques, and procedures that you all have observed here, do you, do you have a sense for the sophistication of this adversary?
1: If this truly is Seedworm, we're looking at a relatively sophisticated adversary. I mentioned that there were a number of aspects of the attacks that suggested that it could be Seedworm. One of those was network infrastructure that had been reused. Um, That's something that's a little out of the ordinary for Seedworm, they tend to cycle through their infrastructure relatively quickly. So that makes it harder to track this actor And harder to attribute to this actor. And that's part of what makes them a little bit more sophisticated as far as APTs go. Another thing that we noticed as far as TTPs in these attacks, I mentioned the use of an unknown script. Now, at the beginning of these attacks, typically we would see the same set of discovery commands, almost like a recipe or a playbook being run. It was the same set of commands over and over. But in at least one case, we saw one program being issued a help command, suggesting that there's arbitrary access. Essentially, there's hands on keyboard at this point, and it's through the script. Now, Seedworm is known to produce script based backdoors. That's something that makes them a little bit unusual and more sophisticated than, say, your everyday uh, cybercrime actor or even some APTs. Now, this activity that we saw with the script. And the help command suggests also that arbitrary access using scripts uh, was used in this case. Uh, That's one additional piece of evidence that suggests that this is a seed worm.
0: Where do we stand in terms of of persistence? You know, once these organizations found that they were being targeted and I assume went through remediation efforts, has there been any sense that uh, whoever this actor is has has either managed to stay in their systems or, or attempted to get back in?
1: Well, we can definitely say based on the sets of tools that they were trying to bring in, proxying tools, tunneling tools, that their intent is really to stay as long as possible. And if they get kicked out, they're probably going to try and get back in. Um, given that this these attacks are so highly focused on the telecommunications sector, it's highly likely that we're looking at actors that are intent on staying focused on this sector. And so they're likely going to come back and try and repeatedly hit these uh, targets of theirs.
0: I see. So as you say, I mean, this is likely more on the espionage side of things as opposed to someone trying to inject some ransomware or or, make some money off of these organizations.
1: Exactly. Espionage is definitely something that uh, we believe is part of the motive. Whether it's Uh, Industrial espionage. So, you know, just gathering information about the telecommunications sector uh, technologies, or if it's something uh, more like surveillance, uh, that is not really clear at this point.
0: Hmm. Now, the research that you all published uh, points out that uh, these attackers make heavy use of legitimate tools as well as publicly available hacking tools. Can you give us a a little bit of an overview of of the types of utilities that they're using here?
1: So they use a whole host of different tools that are all publicly available tools or they're open source tools. Things like nSudo, which is used to escalate privileges. SharpHound, which is used for discovery, you know, surveying the the network and looking for other devices, ways to escalate privileges as well. Hacking tools like Mimicats, uh, things like that. All sorts of different various tools. And a lot of these tools are, are legitimate. So they could be used uh, either for uh, legitimate IT purposes or they can be used for malicious purposes.
0: I see. Is it fair to say that when they're making use of these legitimate tools that uh, that makes it a little more unlikely that they'd be detected because the the tool isn't necessarily absolutely a, a bad one?
1: Exactly. That's why it makes it so hard to find these types of actors that use these dual use tools, especially in attacks like these where there's no custom malware to be found. Uh, the organization really has to have a feel and an idea for what tools are being used in their environment and and where.
0: So based on the information that you all have gathered here, I mean, what are your recommendations for organizations to best protect themselves against this sort of thing?
1: Well, as always, you want to have defense in depth. So you want to have defenses that are at the network level as well as the endpoint level and everything in between. Uh, but you, again, you also want to make sure that you're monitoring the behavior that you have some sort of system or solution that you can use to monitor the behavior of your machines um, so you know reaching out to unusual ip addresses unusual network infrastructure things of that nature so you can sort of catch these clues uh, that you might have an actor um, already in your environment
0: Our thanks to Sylvester Segura from Symantec's Threat Hunter team. The research is titled Espionage Campaign Targets Telecoms Organizations Across Middle East and Asia. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brendan Karp, Eliana White, Haru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Filecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner.